As the college applications process begins this fall, teens start to feel the pressure to succeed. And my next guest says putting too much pressure on them to perform hurts more than it helps, not only with college admissions, but in any area of life. Studio 5 parenting contributor Heather Johnson will share how to know when your encouraging becomes harmful. Thank you so much for being here. You know, this is a hot topic. Mm -hmm. We had a lot to talk about with this. And you know, we push as parents. Mm -hmm. That's kind of a part of our job. But when does it go when it gets like too much? Well, even understanding what achievement culture is, right? It's when we set up a family system or an organization and put all the focus on the outcome, right? If you won the match, if you get into the right college, if the grades are all A's, we very much base the conversations we have, the energy and effort, even oftentimes the love and energy we show towards our kids, we base that on if they're succeeding and accomplishing, if they're achieving. And so this achievement culture, we feel it everywhere, especially as parents when society gets more and more volatile, we start to feel really uncertain. And so we kind of double down, like I need you to get good grades and we need these things to happen. You need to achieve these things because so much is uncertain. And so when we start tying it to their worth, it becomes really, really toxic. When we find ourselves in a place where we are basing, again, what we're offering our kids on what they're achieving or accomplishing. When every conversation, if you take a step back, we start to realize is based on what did you do today and did you get it done right? And did you get an A in it? That becomes really toxic. And when we talk about the things that it, it hurt, does or how it hurts our kids, I mean, self-esteem is lowered. Kids who are struggling and have this achievement culture surrounding them, over two-thirds of our teenagers report that they're actually really, really, really uncertain about their lives. They feel uncomfortable most days of their lives. Wow. We've got more drug abuse. We've got more promiscuity. We've got all of these things, including grades, all because there's this achievement culture that if they're not accomplishing, then something is wrong with them, then they're not good enough. Well, I like your distinction on that because you're saying, yes, we push, it's something we all do, but when that is tied to how you then treat them, that's when it gets toxic, toxic. that's crossing the line. Yeah, that starts to cross the line. And you know, we find ourselves in these positions as parents for a couple reasons. When we decide that ourselves, what our kids are doing is a reflection on us, then it's very easy to push. As grandparents, when we decide that what our grandchildren are doing, that that's a reflection on if we were good grandparents or not. I mean, this, this is a pressure that we all feel that we're trying really hard to fight against because it hurts us. Yeah, so for parents and for grandparents, we've got some tools mm -hmm. here and we're going to go through how we can help. And the first one is about master mattering. Yes, so in 1980, there was a lot of research done, especially on teenagers, where we were looking to see what helped their mental health. Because when achievement culture is surrounding any of us, but a teenager, a college age student, they have a really hard time having high self-esteem, believing that they're enough. And all of this research led back to having us find one thing, that when kids know they matter, that is more important than anything else. We as parents wanna get really good at mastering this mattering space. Now, for us to feel like we matter, we have to genuinely believe that someone cares about us, that they cherish us, that our, that our um, contributions matter to other people, that we're depended upon. That's what's behind knowing that we matter to people. So when our kids know that they matter to us, all of a sudden magic happens. Now imagine if you're in your home and you worry more about if they feel like they matter opposed to what grades they're getting. Mm -hmm. That's a complete shift. And the cool thing is when they know they matter, they actually are more likely to get good grades. So it has this beautiful connection when we focus more on mattering. 
As parents, we put a lot of energy into watching our children and, and observing to see if they're happy. We've sat in that space, right, where you look at your kids each day and you kind of at the end of the night go, okay, they, they seem pretty happy, like they're doing pretty good. We actually wanna stop worrying about if they're happy and start worrying about if they know they matter. Do they feel valued? Do they have they a do. purpose? Yep. I love that, I love that. And uh, your next one is about getting a PhD, mm -hmm. but, but getting a PhD in our kid. In our kids, We have to yes. know, you're wanting us to know as much as possible about About them, yeah, yeah, so think about it. I mean, it, uh, an advanced degree, like a PhD, it takes sacrifice, it takes time, it takes a lot of energy, it takes a, a lot of just input from us where we're learning and we're growing. That's what it looks like to get a PhD in your child. We wanna have that advanced degree in our kids. We wanna make the sacrifices and take the time and put in the energy, which means again, we're spending time asking questions, listening, so much listening, so that we know them, their hopes and their dreams, their fears. We wanna know and should be able to tell someone else what our kids' insecurities are, what makes them tick, what their favorite music, all of those things we wanna know about them. It's time to just get that advanced degree in our kids and make the sacrifices necessary. Imagine again, if our focus is on that, there's not a lot of energy left to worry about the achievement culture part, right? We're able to push that aside and put it off. You're reminding me of when my kids were little, I would play the favorite game in the car where it was just like, what's your favorite color? Mm -hmm. What's your favorite animal? But now maybe I could switch to those more mm -hmm. intense questions a little that take a little more thought, but it could be just something like that where it's just every conversation you ask one of those questions. Absolutely, and you're listening to them, right? You're even tying that into how the answers would potentially make them feel so that you actually get to know them. You want it to be a space where they're telling you, this is scary and this is exciting and this is what I love and then we have to accept whatever they say. That's how we get that PhD. Okay, now your next one is working on our resilience. Yes. We're not talking about our kids' resilience, mm -hmm. ours. How do we're we do that? We're talking on ours. When we are resilient, we're more likely to have kids who are resilient. So when we have that bounce back, when we're able to see that achievements are not always achieved, when we don't always succeed in them, things don't always go as planned, and we know how to navigate that, we model that for our kids. So when we're better at that and navigating those achievements, we then have kids who are better at that. Now, a very first step that we can take as adults is it's time for us to surround ourselves with other adults who don't support achievement culture. Mm -hmm. It's time for us to find a group of friends, a spouse, other neighbors, people who aren't supporting this culture that's hurting our kids. This idea that, that if they don't achieve certain things, they're not good enough. So yeah. that's a way we can do it, is we can surround ourselves with adults who support this same belief system. Make a change in the yeah. culture. And you also talk about just your household and making your home a haven for these kids who don't, may not have it anywhere else. Right, because it's not safe, right? We want our homes to be safe. They get so much pressure. Yes, there is a little, there's a lot of coddling going on. We talk about that often with kids and teenagers. And also right next to it, there is so much pressure for them to achieve to look a certain way, to be a certain way, to accomplish certain things. We wanna make sure that our home is a safe place where they don't feel that pressure, where they know that as is, is enough. They're accepted as is, and we can do that. We can do that by the way we communicate with them. We can do that with the questions that we ask and don't ask. We can do that by listening more instead of talking so much. We wanna make sure that when they come home, they're not gonna get that pressure there, and it's gonna be safe. Let them have a breather when they walk through that door. We do. Um, and the, the next one is something we kind of kicked mm -hmm. off with, which is not tying worth and performance together. And this is a problem that we have with ourselves and we want to master it there while we're also teaching our children. It's really easy to tie their accomplishments to them being enough and tying it to their worth. 
And what happens with, again, parents and grandparents, this one is really challenging generationally. It seems to be more challenging when we go back more generations, that grandparents, great-grandparents have a harder time disconnecting these things. It's been more recent that we've been able to recognize and then we're teaching that what I do today doesn't mean I'm worth more or less. It simply means that's what I did or didn't do today. When we tie these two things together, it attacks self-esteem and it starts with us. If I'm concerned and need our kids to do certain things so that I feel like I'm a good mom, if my mom needs her grandchildren to accomplish certain things so that she can say she's a good grandma, we've tied worth to performance. So we wanna make sure that we're very aware in teaching our kids, our teenagers, our college age students, that what they do or what they don't do is not actually or doesn't mean anything about them being worth more or less or us being worth more or less. And we've gotta model that, we've gotta model it, again, with what we say and what we do, which then leads us to this really powerful point of vocalizing and verbalizing where our kids are strong. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about the disconnect here because if, if we're focusing on verbalizing their strengths, is it just more about the strengths of who they are, not mm -hmm. what they do. Is Absolutely. that the difference? It's exactly okay. right. And focusing on the energy, the effort, the sacrifices that they're making that we're talking about, again, where they matter. Remember, if anything, go back to this idea that every day we want to act and love and serve our kids in ways that allows them to know they matter. They need to know that, that we depend on them. They need to know that their opinions we value, that's part of mattering. So when we're complimenting them or validating their strengths, we wanna be recognizing those things. And watch, as we have a PhD in them, it becomes really easy to see where their strengths are, right? If we're not tying our worth and performance together or theirs, then it becomes a lot easier to vocalize what those strengths are. And again, then we set up this environment and relationship where they know that they matter, where they're valued and they're cherished as is, not because they did something, or didn't do something. I love right. it. It's a little shift in a mindset for us and our parents and our grandparents, yes. but we can all do it. We can. Thanks, Heather. You know, Heather coaches families and individuals, and you can find her contact information on our website.